Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, this is Marcy Ann, and I haven't done a show for a couple weeks. We got through the election here in the United States. <clears throat> it seemed like everybody just was holding their breath. <laughs> Even the Schumann residents went like quiet. It's like, oh, oh, oh. So, anyway, um, I'm back breathing again. (laughs) I want to thank you for tuning in. Um, I had a little trouble getting uh, the studio up and running tonight, so um, uh, I want to get, so let's just get started here. Uh, I had an opportunity recently to watch a movie with a friend. Now, this friend is a 69-year-old gay man. So, you know, he's been through some troubling times. And when he first knew that he was gay, he said he he was about five years old. And he said that he knew then that his grandma knew. And when he finally came out to his parents, his mother told him that her mother had already warned her about it. (laughs) But in those days, when he was a young boy and a teenager and a young man, sodomy was a crime in all 48 states of the United States. And sodomy included all untraditional sexual unions, like man with animal or man with child, man with man, anal and oral sex. Well, at this point, it seems that all these previous barriers to unrestricted sexual behavior have been broken down. But the process of the breaking of the barriers has been painful for the ones affected, as well as for the ones who still would like to see the original barriers still in place. So if I ever get into a discussion with a gay person, especially if they're older and they've been through this chaos of the change, I'm really careful with them because they're very hurt, they're very damaged, and also they have a very strong defense system in place. Okay, so we're watching the movie. It's a Hallmark movie, (laughs) for those of you who know about Hallmark. But Hallmark is beginning to have storylines that embrace the new collectivism philosophy and, um, and you know, trying to be a champion of diversity. And there was a storyline that involved a romantic relationship between a black girl and a white man. And, uh, and the white man was a person of authority in the government of a small kingdom Uh, In Europe, he worked alongside and served the king in his job. So, you know, just the position that the white man had gave an added sense of acceptability to his attraction to this commoner 
who also just happened to be black. Well, first of all, I I don't like to call black people African Americans because black people come from all over the globe. You know, down in the Caribbean, Jamaica, the Virgin Islands, Dominican Republic, and then Puerto Rico and Cuba. The Native American Creoles were very black. And then Ethiopia, Fiji, Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands, southern India, Egypt, and the Sudan are all uh, black people. And then we have all the multiracial people, you know, like President Obama. Now, we call President Obama an African-American, but that's not the truth. He's, he's African-American and white. So if you call him African-American, you could also call him white. Okay, so my friend and I are watching the movie, and the relationship between the black girl and the white royalty man is beginning to heat up. And I said, hey, you know what? I don't support this type of behavior, and I really don't want to watch this movie anymore. Well, he just went bananas. Uh, very unlike him. So I, Now, I knew that he had had a long-term relationship with a black man. But I didn't see how that could be relative to the situation of the moment. Well, first of all, I'm a woman, and I'm speaking as a woman. And I might add, I'm a woman who supports and enjoys diversity. But I, uh, now the word diversity is being used to advocate for actions that I believe really strike at the heart of diversity and in actuality could destroy diversity because it would make everything uniform. And I don't think that this is the intent of the idea of diversity. I believe the intent is to accept diversity as desirable and then having everybody have the same love, rights, and privileges as everyone else. But to advocate that a black girl be in a sexual reproductive relationship with a white man, that's going to produce a brown-skinned human, neither white or black. And now we have no diversity. You know what? If this continues and all of the diversity of our global society continues to mate outside of their kind... We're going to all end up a world of brown-skinned people with slightly slanted eyes and absolutely no diversity at all. So all I was trying to say was, as a white woman, declare my responsibility to maintain the diversity And I would only consider mating with a white man so we could have white children. And my friend just yelled across the room, you're just a stupid racist. Well, my series I'm doing right now is on the Divine Masculine and the Divine Feminine. And it is my firm, deep conviction 
that as a divine, feminine, white woman, I have an absolute obligation to maintain and guarantee that the white diversity is safe from extinction. Now, my gay white friend and his black male lover would not be having children, so their sexual preferences don't affect the diversity. But my white male gay friend said his black male lover was difficult, and it was my white male gay friend who broke up the relationship. And he said it was because the black man required being treated more special than my friend felt was necessary. And here is enforced entitlement. Now, both of these men had suffered the pain of being less than in our American Christian culture. You know, we have a very large Christian Baptist church here in Orange County, California, where I live. Over 25,000 members. It's known nationwide. But my gay friend says he wouldn't be welcome there yet. So even though the LBGT community has made great strides in becoming acceptable, there still are great areas of unacceptance. And we all know from the Black Lives Matter movement how blacks today still struggle with cultural and societal prejudices. But in my gay friend's relationship with the black man, the black man was still demanding a level of acceptance which he feels is his entitlement for all the years that they were treated badly. And this is so curious to me that even in two types of human experiences of prejudice and hate opinions, the black man felt he still needed dominance over the white man. Well, I've got to figure out here now because my stream's running out. I think I can let it just keep going. Uh, we will see. There is an enforced entitlement in the collectivism philosophy. I'm gay, and you have to accept me. I'm black, so you have to treat me better to make up for all the years of being treated awful. And it's my feeling that trying to enforce this type of attitude and setting up an environment where no one is really free to be who they really are where they are, and that everyone has to accept everybody no matter what, I just don't think that compassion can be enforced. Compassion and understanding, accepting and giving, loving and trusting, these are matters of the heart. You can't force it. It has to be freely given. And you know, so much of our charity works on guilt to get us to do things for other people. You're not cold, and you're not hungry, and you have plenty of money. You should give this poor little child who has nothing and goes to bed hungry every night something. And I saw a commercial like this recently, and the little child was uh, totally emaciated, practically all bones. But she's sitting on her mother's lap, laying her head on her mother's breast. And I just couldn't 
I couldn't get it. If the mother has had this child, there's a storehouse of milk in that breast to feed that child for two to three years. Why is that child emaciated like that? You know, the mother was dressed in kind of a pretty dress, had her hair done in a fancy style. And where is the father? I mean, we're made to feel guilty because we've been taught that we're our brother's keeper. But the truth is, we aren't. We are only responsible for ourselves. And anything that we do for our brother must come from our heart of compassion, not enforced entitlement. If you listen to Jesus, he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and your neighbor as yourself. So we love God first, then we love ourselves, and then we help a neighbor if we're able to. We've never been taught to love ourselves. We've been taught that love is sacrifice, that the greatest love is that which God gave his only son to be crucified so that God would then be able to love us, dirty, rotten sinners. And that's why we sacrifice ourselves to help others. And this is not the way it's supposed to be because it isn't based on truth. To be able to love God, we must learn first that God loves us no matter what and always has. God's love for us has never been affected by anything. And everything in God's creation is good or very good. So we're good. (laughs) God loves us. Now, some of us have believed that God has always loved us, and we've developed an intimate and personal relationship with God that is very good. Uh, What it was that happened in the Garden of Eden that got Adam and Eve kicked down of there caused the power of death to enter into the creation. That's why Jesus came back to earth, to destroy the power of death because he was resurrected and restored eternal life to us. That's why he came. That's why he died on the cross, so he could be resurrected. And in the three days he was in the tomb, he went down to hell, and he liberated all the souls waiting there, and then he threw death and hell into the lake of fire, the second death, where everything is returned to the state of the elementals to be recreated anew. So there isn't any heaven and hell. Hell was destroyed, and now we don't need heaven anymore because we have eternal life. And he made all the authority of God available again to the human creation through the Holy Spirit. And he said before he left that he would send the I will send the spirit of my Father to you, and he will lead and guide you into all truth. And the truth is, God loves you, has always loved you, and has never meant for you to have poverty, sickness, and death. And now the original plan is available again and has been for over 2,000 years. But it's never been preached. It's never been told. We've been taught a very watered-down, childish uh, religion from the... Nicene Council of 320 A.D. So we are going to have to learn to love ourselves the way God loves us. 
And then as we become the master of our life and in authority over all things, just like Jesus was, and be able to do all the things that Jesus did, then we will have the authorities and the resources to help our brother. Not because you feel guilty that you have everything and he has nothing, but because you wish to help him to learn the truth and to be able to become the master of his own life and to be free of poverty, sickness, and death. You can't force someone to love you, and you can't be forced to love someone. And we need to get this straightened out before we end up being just a robotic society where there aren't any feelings anymore and there's no personal freedoms either. Okay, thanks for listening. Talk to you uh, soon.